Father, I thank you so much for this, this time. And we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we can see you for who you are, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we push away all distraction and we give you our attention. We give you our full attention in this moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, as Tara said, I'm going to be talking about the story of Mary and when she anointed Jesus. And if you could kind of, if you've heard this, this might be a really familiar story to you. It might not be. But if it is really familiar, can you kind of just pretend that you've never read it and look at it with fresh eyes? Because it, it's, it's, sometimes we can read the stories that we've read a lot. Sometimes we can read them and think, oh, yeah, I've read that story. I know that story. But I, th- I really think that with, well, with the whole Bible, well, we will never know the depths in this life. And there are always new things that the Holy Spirit wants to show us. So I invite you to look at this passage with that. Well, we're going to look at a couple passages today, but this, this whole story, I invite you to look at it with fresh eyes. So um, I will read. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to John chapter 12, and it's verses 1 to 8. And I'm going to read this. And yeah, so as, as we kind of move toward Good Friday and Easter, I want us to kind of remember what Jesus was doing in the few days before, before he died. So John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, and I'm reading from the NIV. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So, as we know... Jesus, so it says six days before the Passover. So the Passover was when Jesus was crucified. So this was just a few days before he, he was crucified. And so, this is a, so the town of Bethany was a place that he stopped. It was very close to Jerusalem. And he decided to stop here. This was right before Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem with when, when there were shouts of praises and then the, the days that followed, everything went very quickly. So so this is a this is a special place to Jesus. And if you know the story about Lazarus 
and, uh, and his, his two sisters. It's, they were very special to Jesus, and it was a, it was a, a place that he, he would have felt loved. So, and I, I guess, you know, there's a lot of things I could pull out from, from this, but what I would like us to focus on this morning is the example of Mary and what she did. And not necessarily so that we can, uh, I, guess, I guess what I want to do is, is I want us to, to, not, to, to learn, to, to just learn from her example. So, there's a few other places in the Bible that Mary's mentioned, and I won't, I won't put all the, I won't get you to look up all the scriptures, but every single time that this woman is mentioned, she is at the feet of Jesus. And I, I like to, when I read the Bible, I like to kind of imagine and put myself in the scene. And so one of the things that I, I as I read this, I think, I think about what must it have been like in that house? And I kind of, I like to imagine the details. Uh, I love, I love how, I love how Mary, Mary was so unashamed and not held back by which, in anything that she did. Because I can imagine in that room that there was a lot going on and you know, people were probably having lots of conversations and what were they talking about? Were they talking about were they talking about what Mary what Martha was going to cook? Were they talking about I don't know what they were talking about, but it, as I think about all that's going on, what Mary did was really odd um, and it would have it would have it, it would have not. It's, it just wasn't normal for someone to do that. Uh, and um, there was there's a scripture in John John chapter eleven where it's it's referring to Mary and it says this Mary. It's a kind of parentheses thing and it says the Mary. It's talking about Mary and it says the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And I love how she's distinguished by what she did for Jesus. I just like that. Um, and, you know, no one did this but her. So, and then another thing I, I want to pull out too is, I think... Mary really knew who Jesus knew who, who he was and that's why she was doing what she was doing and it says she's anointing me for my burial so she knew who he was and this, this what she put on him was, was, was a, a really concentrated extract of oil and it would have had a strong fragrance. And it, you know, it says that the whole house was filled with it. But actually, like, it was so concentrated that he would have smelled like that for days. And it said that she wiped his feet with her hair. And she would have smelled like that for days. And, you know, I was thinking about the time, the time frame. 
between that time and the time he died. He may have smelled like that at the cross. He may have, he probably did. And it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing what she did. And she did it because she knew who he was. She wasn't, she, she probably wasn't highly educated. She never had a high paying job. She didn't have prestige. She never wrote a book. She never invented anything. But she did something that was so special. So there were some people in the room that didn't like it. Um, Judas, it says that he, he mocked what she was doing. And in actual fact, he didn't care. He didn't actually care about the poor. He, he just wanted the money for himself. And he mocked what she was doing and tried to downplay it. And I, I can imagine that Mary was probably pretty oblivious to that <laughs> because she was so taken with Jesus. So, as you know, Mary has a sister called Martha. And I, I'm going to read another scripture to you and sort of contrast. Jesus, Jesus made a contrast between the two sisters. And I want to look at Martha. And then I want to go back and look at Mary. So turn with me. Luke 10. Is everybody okay? <laughs> okay. Um, Luke 10, 38 to 42. And this will be up on the screen. Yeah. Okay, so this is another one of the Gospels. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he says. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So once again, we have Mary, the one who's sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. Martha was bothered by what Mary was doing. She was bothered because she thought that she should be doing something else. Um, it says that she was distracted. And one thing I thought was so interesting was the word in that scripture that is the word distracted in the original language. One of the meanings of this word is to be pulled in many directions. She was too busy for what Mary is experiencing. And it seems as if her, her faith, her, her relationship with God is, is tied up in what she does for him. She seems to be choosing her work for the Lord over her preoccupation with him. 
She preferred to be around him rather than to sit and look at him. She preferred to serve rather than minister. She preferred to work rather than to adore. And, uh, you know, we talked in our, the last series that we did on Colossians, we talked about how we live in a busy culture and we, there's lots of distractions. I've even noticed as I've gone to other places and come back, even in this local regional area, I do feel that there's a, there is a busy, there's a lot of busyness going on and there's a lot of hurrying going on. There's a lot of multitasking and a lot of activity. And I've noticed that a lot of people don't have a lot of space in their schedules and it's very hurried. And, um, and so, and I was, I've been thinking about this, you know, not that activity is bad, but it's bad when you're so caught up in it that you, that you, ha- that you can't connect with Jesus. Uh, I heard a quote um, last week, and it said, um, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. I've kind of tried to eliminate the word busy from my vocabulary because I hate it. And I, I, just, I just think that I don't want to live like that. I just don't. And, you know, there are things that we can't avoid that we do, you know, and we, we have, some of us have demanding jobs and, or we have kids or we have things that we, things that we do and that are good but um, we can't let our schedules dictate to us. We need, we need to only do the things that God is calling us to do. And sometimes in my life I've found that I've got caught up in pay, the pace and the, the thing, all these things. And I've, I've kind of lost... There have been times in my life I've had to just put things down and say, actually, I don't think God really called me to do this. I think I'm just doing it, and I need to stop. And I think there are times when we need to, we need to, say, we need to learn how to say no to things. We need to learn how to streamline, because there are so many things that are pulling for our attention, and we have to learn to shut out the things that are not, that, that we're not to give attention to. It's, it's so hard. <laughs> it's, a, it's a daily conversation that I have in my head with myself. Just, just stop. Um, so one of the things I've, that's really helped me is um, just with making time for, for God in, in my daily life is, I have an armchair in my bedroom because I wanted to have a space because for for a long time I would just kind of find space wherever I could. But actually, somebody said to me, if you you make a space, if if you make a place, you'll find the space. And so I I did, and it has just been amazing. Like, every time I sit down in that chair, I, I feel God's presence and... I sit there in the morning and I read the Bible and 
I meet with God, and, and it's, it's great. And I, I, if you don't have a place where you could do that, I highly recommend that, whether it's in your room or somewhere else. Um, it's, it's great. Okay, moving on through, the, through this passage. Um, actually, I don't know if this is, I don't think this will come up on the screen, but I want to read another scripture to you. And this is where Matthew, it's, it's Matthew 26, 10 to 13. And this is something that I love. And it's, it's Jesus talking about Mary. And he's saying, he's saying something about what she did. So, Matthew 26, 10 to 13. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And when I read that, I've read that before, but I read it again recently and I was like, wow. Jesus tied the gospel to the memory of Mary forever. Why do you think he did that? I think that's amazing, because I can think of lots of other people in the Bible. Why do you think he did that with her? I think it's because this is what the gospel is meant to do in a person's heart. I think it's amazing that he tied the testimony of his own name to this woman. So thinking, looking back to Martha, so, I mean, poor Martha, she gets a bad rap. But honestly, her, she didn't leave a legacy. She didn't, what she did died with her. It, it, isn't, even, it isn't even mentioned. But can you hear Jesus' words when he says, Martha, Martha, and the love in, can you hear the love in his voice? And um, yeah, I can imagine. So I don't know if anything I'm saying is, is, um, landing. (laughs) It's so hard to know that. Um, But I'm sharing, I'm sharing the things that I felt to share. And I want you to, as you listen to this, and there may not be, there may just be one thing that I'm saying that's jumping out. But I want you to ask yourself a, a couple questions. Are you giving attention to other things which are inferior to him? Are you busy? Are you pulled in many directions? And here's another question. Are you, are you not going to him because you have questions that are unanswered? And I just want to say that Jesus is okay with questions. And he actually asked a lot of questions. He's okay with your questions. But there are some questions that we won't ever be able to answer. 
Um, and I was having a conversation with Adam the other night, and we're just talking about things that have happened in life that that didn't go as planned and didn't didn't happen as we thought they would. And he said something, and I wrote it down because I really like it. He said, when you can't answer the question why, don't nail yourself to the proposition that you must. And then he said, don't trap yourself in the prison that you must be able to answer all the questions. The one who suffers then is you because you remain in jail with the unanswerable question. And it's not that, because we should bring all of our questions to Jesus. And I know I've asked God some big questions in my life before, but there's some questions that we will not, that we will never be able to have an answer to. And we can't not come to him just because we don't have the answer to our question. Um, So what I've done in my life is when I've had questions that I haven't been able to resolve. And I still have things that I can't resolve. When I come to Jesus, I just, I just throw it all at his feet and I just throw myself. And actually, I'm thinking about the story where, do you remember when, when Lazarus died and Jesus waited three days to go to Bethany? And he got to the outside of the city and Martha met him. And Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Mary didn't even come at first. And I can imagine she was really upset. And then it says that Martha went back to the house and and said, Mary, Jesus is calling for you. And it says that Jesus waited outside the city in the exact same spot. He waited for her. And she came. And do you, do you remember what she did? She just, she just fell at his feet and, and, and cried. And do you, know, do you remember what Jesus did? He cried with her. He cried with her. And there's something about that. There's something about that story. So let's bring, let's bring our questions, let's bring our griefs, and let's come to his feet. I'm just going to stop. Father, I ask that whatever it is that you're speaking to us would be so clear right now in this moment what you're speaking to our hearts. That you would come and meet us right where, exactly where we are in this place. And that you would come and bring your healing. That you would bring the tangible closeness of your presence, that it would be felt in this moment. And I think right now, some of you are going to start feeling his tangible presence because he wants to meet with you in that way. 
just want to share a quick story. I, about a month ago, I asked God to um, help me be more aware of his presence, help me to be more aware of him because he's with me all the time, but sometimes I'm not aware of it. And I, I said, God, can you help, just help me to do that? and to know and to be more aware of, of, of your presence. And he did. And what happened is, so Adam and the kids, they went, they went to England, and I, I had a, about a week and a half in the house by myself. And there was this one night where I was sitting at the, di at the dinner table, and I'm, tell I'm, I'm telling you this story. The reason I'm telling you this story is because I think that God wants to do this in, in other people as well. And I think that when we, when we tell stories of what God's done, it's like a window for God to do it again. So I fully expect to hear the same thing again happening in, in other people. But anyway, so I'm sitting there having dinner, and I'm listening to music, and I was listening to this worship music, and there was something in the music that... I just thought, God, I, I need, I just need you. I just need you to come and help me, and I need to feel your presence. And just started, I just started crying, and crying and crying and crying and crying. <laughs> and I cried and cried for probably, I don't know, like an hour. And I just started to feel God's, I just felt God's so strong. And... It was like, I've tried to put words to it and I can't quite, but it was like nothing else in the whole wide world mattered. And so, and it was so strong, like I, and I haven't ever experienced God like that, ever. I mean, I've felt his presence before, but never like that. So I called up my friend, Kara, <laughs> and was like, oh my gosh, you need to get over here. And I, I, it was so strong because I, I, that I felt like I, sh it was so real that I felt like I should call everyone that I know and they should come, because that's how I felt. I can't describe it, but it was like, and I remember saying out loud to her on the phone, "Isn't everything so silly? Like, isn't everything so who? I mean," and I was just crying and crying, and it was, it was, it was amazing. And then even even after, and then the next day, I could not stop shaking. And, um, and I've had a couple of other moments like that where God just says, hey, I'm, I'm with you all the time, and if you would just turn toward me, um, I'm, I'm so real. So I pray that that would happen in your life too, that you would feel him with you, and that you would know that he's with you always. So, I think this would be a good time to remember all that Jesus did. So I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing you, 
knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted, exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. 